Today on This Week in Iowa, a deal on the trade agreement that's been in limbo set to replace NAFTA. Elected officials and a farmer directly impacted React. Plus, history made in Des Moines' runoff election here from Mayor Frank County. And later, Cory Booker wants to unite the country. How he's doing that? Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us on This Week in Iowa. I'm Sabrina Ahmed. Federal investigators are looking into possible human experiments at a state-run facility for disabled people. Just this week, the supervisor of the facility being investigated was placed on administrative leave. The state also starting its own investigation. This facility we're talking about is the Glenwood Resource Center, about 150 miles southwest of Des Moines, just outside of Omaha. The Department of Human Services oversees Glenwood. Monday, DHS Director Kelly Garcia placed Glenwood Superintendent Jerry Rea on administrative leave. This after the Department of Justice sent a letter to Governor Kim Reynolds in November to tell her they're investigating Glenwood. The DOJ investigation will focus on the following. Harmful and uncontrolled human experiments, inadequate care, harmful restraint practices, and incidents causing needless physical injury. Governor Kim Reynolds says her administration took quick action after getting this letter. Upon receiving the letter from the DOJ, uh, Director Garcia has done a phenomenal job. She sent a team down to do a fact-finding mission to start to gather information. Glenwood is one of two state-run facilities that serves Iowans with intellectual disabilities. It services 52 counties. Those are the ones highlighted right here on your screen. The other counties are serviced by a facility in Woodward. Now, this isn't the first time Glenwood has been investigated. In 2017, former employees were found guilty of mistreating residents. Governor Kim Reynolds says her administration is cooperating with the Department of Justice. And again, they have their own investigation as well. Well, we finally have a tentative agreement on the United States-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. Labor leaders and the White House are claiming victory. The agreement is a little different than what passed was, was passed by Republicans. The sticking points Democrats have been ironing out don't really have a lot to do with ag, but of course the whole deal has to pass at once. Democratic lawmakers added stronger monitoring standards for labor and environmental rules and removed patent protections for some prescription drugs. Iowa's congressional delegation have responded to the House Democrats' agreement for the USMCA. Senator Chuck Grassley making note of its importance to Iowa farmers. It's good from the standpoint that for 25 years, it was difficult to get much dairy product into Canada. Now, it'll be a big boon for agriculture and dairy products into Canada. Getting our high-quality wheat into Canada is another good benefit of it. Senator Ernst in a statement saying the deal was negotiated with, quote, our nation's farmers and workers in mind, knowing the USMCA will provide an economic boon and certainty for folks back home. Congresswoman Cindy Axney saying in a statement, this agreement would provide certainty for farmers and producers by ending the threat of back-and-forth retaliatory tariffs that this administration has pursued. Lawmakers plan to hold a full vote on the deal next week and will likely be taken up in the Senate early next year. Coming up next, we hear from farmers who are directly impacted by this deal. So stick with us, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. We are joined now by Tim Bardol, who is the president of the Iowa Soybean Association. Tim, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You're a busy man. You are traveling all over the country and the world selling soybeans. So 
I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, well, it's, uh, somebody's got to do it, I guess. So <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> okay, well talk, well, talk to me about the USMCA deal that is being made. What was your reaction to the news this week? I'm very encouraged. It's, it's been a tough year. Mm -hmm. 2019 is, has, uh, has been rough, um, not only with trade agreements and delays, but with planting delays, harvest delays, and everything else. So it, it's, uh, it's very good news. Um, we're, I guess farmers are to the point right now, and until you see something signed, you don't fully believe it, but it does sound like it's, it's going to go through. For viewers at home who are not super familiar with the USMCA, can you talk to me about the difference between NAFTA and the USMCA and why this is so good for farmers? Yeah, um, there's not <clears throat> huge differences from NAFTA as far as soybeans are concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the things that were changed is, is just um, updating because of today's technology, um, whether it be uh, the soybeans, the different um, genetics and stuff that have to go through approval. Uh, the biggest probably benefit for, for all of agriculture is probably in the in the dairy industry. Okay, opening up right. dairy to Canada, but it's the biggest thing is it it maintains the tariff-free market for Iowa soybeans and U.S. soybeans. Mexico currently is our, our number two importer mm -hmm. of, of U.S. soybeans. And, you know, that's, it just shows how important our neighbors are. Right. We absolutely couldn't afford to lose that market after the China market. We can't afford to lose any market. <laughs> um, okay. So you mentioned this. You kind of put a little bit of color to this. There's just been so much going wrong with ag in the past year. But when I talk to farmers, we have them on our show on a regular basis. Everyone seems generally optimistic. You have to be. <laughs> I, you know, when, when you talk about a farmer, you're talking about somebody that in the spring borrows a whole bunch of money and pretty much plants it in the ground and have, has to wait until fall to know if you're going to recoup what, you, what you've uh, spent on the, on the crop or lose money or hopefully make money. So if, if you're not optimistic, it's kind of tough to be a farmer. So what's your message to the Iowa delegation and to all of Congress, knowing that you've remained optimistic, you've remained positive, looking forward, hoping for the best? What's your message to our congressional leaders? USMCA has to get passed. Um, as far as agriculture goes, in the last 21 months, there has been 61% of our trade being negotiated. Mm -hmm. So the United States sells 100 and something over $140 billion worth of ag products around the world. And of that number, 61% has been renegotiated or currently in negotiations like with China. So that just shows you how as, as a farmer, you know, we've been very un uneasy right. because, you know, those are huge numbers. And for soybeans, it's a lot higher than that mm -hmm. because of, of China right. and Mexico, our top two um, 
importers of U.S. soybeans. Well, we'll continue to follow the movement. We really appreciate you being here. And he's going to Thank Pakistan you. next month, so travel safe. And uh, yeah, and Godspeed. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to take you. a short break, everyone. But coming up next, history was made when he won the one runoff election. But how does Mayor Frank County make sure he is representing those who didn't vote for him? We ask him next. Welcome back, everyone. We are joined now by Mayor Frank County, who recently won in the runoff election. Congratulations on the win. Well, thank you very much. Um, so to get started, talk to me about what was going through your head the day of that election, because you, know, you had a close primary, as you mentioned, but then you, it could, you really could have gone either way. Sure, it could have. Uh, we, we had a, a very confident uh, team. Uh, we felt like we had uh, reached out and touched a lot of people, but obviously there's, uh, given the primary, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that voted the other way. And so uh, we spent a lot of time trying to reach all parts of the city, and, uh, but it was still very close. And, uh, but it uh, is, is the ballots were counted. Uh, we had a lead the whole night, and it just stayed almost right where it was uh, going through. So it was it was a really uh, great message from the the citizens, and our team was uh, very happy. And uh, um, it was a tough race. What do you think it says to you as a mayor, and what the job that you've done that you were reelected even by a thin margin? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that the message that, that we all have uh, by the majority is that the city has really made a lot of great strides over the last 16 years, and we're headed in the right direction. We have plans that we've shared with citizens all over the city, and we've gone on. Even this uh, last Tuesday, we had a talk of the uh, city tour. We did it at uh, the downtown library mm -hmm. and uh, rolled out those plans that we're going to implement uh, this coming year and moving forward. Everything from streets to sewers to flood protection to sidewalks uh, and all the plans that we have. And obviously what we want to do is seek more citizen input. That's how we made these plans. But obviously, given the election, there are some that, that still feel that they didn't have a, a voice in it. So we want to make sure that we get the message out, show them how to communicate with the city, uh, either on Facebook, on our website, Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get some help from the media also because we have lots of these meetings every year to get citizen input because that's when I first ran, it was all about neighborhoods and citizens and, and serving all the people, not just some of the people, because we're all better off working together, playing together, dreaming together and making this a city where people want to live, where they want to work, uh, where they want to have a career raise their family, and hope their kids want to stay here too. And I think a lot of it has to do with some of these people whose homes were flooded and they felt as though the city forgot about them or um, other areas where, you know, where maybe crime is increasing and they feel like the city's forgetting about them. So how do you, these are people who can't attend city meetings because at night that's when they're working. Yeah. So how do you reach out to them, some of those people who really feel disenfranchised? Well, to find more ways for them to communicate with us. I mean, my office... Uh, We'll take calls morning, afternoon, evening. So if they're working at night, mm -hmm. give us a call during the day. Uh, we'll try to answer questions or get back to, to citizens uh, in, in terms of what's going on in the neighborhoods. An awful lot of the work that we've been doing is in response 
two neighbors giving us input on what's going on in the neighborhood. What about police? What about fire? What about, uh, you know, in, in, in its, as I look at, as I think about our fire and our rescue, rescue has become a bigger part than fire. Right. There's less fires, but we're getting more EMS calls uh, all the time. And uh, because we're sort of the, the healthcare system out there to serve all the citizens, they know they can dial 911 and we're going to come. And uh, um, so we need people to understand how it works and how to communicate with us. And uh, I think we need to do a better job uh, with that outreach and let people know that we're here to serve everybody, not just some of the, some of the people. So you've been mayor for 16 years. Yep. Uh, now you will serve another term. So what do you think the future holds for you? Well, <laughs> I, I've, I've felt my work is, is with the city. I mean, in terms of future, I don't have any aspirations to go to Washington or up on the hill. Uh, I felt like I was born in Des Moines. I was raised in Des Moines. My family's been in Des Moines. My dad always said, you've got to give back to your city. You've got to be part of it. And that's sort of what has driven me. And I think that we've made such huge strides uh, to move Des Moines forward. Our population's increased. The employment has increased. Des Moines has become one of the greatest places for millennials to have a career, to raise a family, one of the most affordable places to live in the United States. You know, we'll have some discussion about property taxes and that sort of thing, but all in. This region is a really affordable place uh, for Iowans. I want to keep moving forward. We have plans. We've laid them out. We made promises. I'm going to deliver on those promises. Mayor County, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. At the time of this taping, Senator Cory Booker still hadn't qualified for the next debate, but his crowds in Iowa are growing and his fundraising numbers are up. So we sat down to chat about the campaign, starting with his decision to spend his Thanksgiving in Iowa serving a meal to the homeless and door knocking in a neighborhood filled with people who are not likely to caucus. Take a listen. I, I'm running because I want to have people that aren't often included in the equation in, in the, the center of our thoughts in many ways. So for me to run a campaign that's not loyal to that ideal is just problematic. So I am who I am. And a lot of people say to me, Corey, you talk about love and grace. Uh, this is not going to beat Donald Trump. And I sort of laugh and I go, actually, it's the only thing that will. Uh, you can't fight darkness with darkness or hate with hate. And, and in fact, there's an Oscar nominated movie about me called Street Fight. And uh, if people watch that, they get it instantly that you can, that strength comes from, uh, uh, from, from, the kind of folks that can pull together big coalitions to beat bullies and demagogues and the like. And so I, I just want this campaign, I want our country uh, to be about those best of our ideals, about seeing the person that's often marginalized in our society, about elevating their dignity and understanding that we need each other. And, and so that was a beautiful day for me. It's one of my favorite days on the campaign, frankly, um, because it wasn't about uh, the, the sort of front line vote for me, here's what my policy plans are. It was about people being there for people. And what I witnessed of Iowans, as a guy whose grandma's born and raised in Des Moines, uh, is what I know about this state. There's a goodness and the decency. I'm telling you, our country needs a revival of those ideals and virtues. It's not only what's going to excite and energize people so we have the kind of turnouts we need to beat Donald Trump and reject him, but ultimately to get this country to accomplish health care, gun safety legislation, you name it, we have to create bigger American coalitions, not hate each other, but recognize we need each other. But in order to continue your message, it does require that you 
continue to get donors yes. and continue to get dollars yes. and continue to pull. Yes. That unfortunately is just a fact of running for president. Yes. Those are requirements. So how do you how are you ensuring that you will make it to the next debate stage? So since the last debate, we've seen this surge in contributions, getting a lot of contributions here from Iowa. In fact, we're the top candidate for women contributing to my campaign, which is interesting as one of the men that's running. But we, we are seeing the kind of momentum we need, and we're hoping that people here in Iowa, when they get that caller ID says there's something coming in, it might be a pollster, that they answer the phone, that they choose us uh, to keep us on that debate stage. because. Iowa should have not have their choices made for them by an artificial debate stage with, with barriers that never existed before, but they should uh, let, them, let, let you all have the voice here about what happens ultimately in the caucuses. And so I feel very strongly right now uh, that we are doing what past winning campaigns have done in this state. We're polling around where Bill Clinton was, Jimmy Carter was, uh, John Kerry was. We are uh, uh, seeing the kind of endorsements from people that Iowans elect like mayors and others. So for us right now, it is staying at it, keep pushing, keep fighting. Our fundraising continues to go up, and the energy here we feel in this campaign continues to go up, and I'm, I'm very hopeful. Talk about hope and change. Yes. Your, your slogan is rise together. Yeah. Um, but make America great again, really, or keep America great. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it resonates with people. Yeah, look. But at the end of the day, there's been great slogans that haven't won because they had lesser candidates. Um, I, I'm one of these weird people in this race because I'm from New Jersey. I've known Donald Trump. Uh, I've known his family. Mm -hmm. um, I still remember that night uh, hurting. I was worried about taking health care away. The majority of Americans didn't want to lose their uh, health care or the Affordable Care Act. I remember worrying about uh, the promises he made about banning people from this country based upon their, their religion. Going to bed that night, curling up, worried and then the next morning millions of women came out and said this is not a time to curl up to shut up to give up it's a good time to rise up to stand up to speak up and what I've seen now since then is from the battle to activism to save health care pre-existing conditions all that we won that because of activism I've seen this in the uh, in the 2018 elections, record change. The most diverse Congress now we've ever had. More women elected than ever before. All is happening because of the themes that we're driving in this campaign. When we have more activism, when people remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. Democracy is a verb. You've got to get out there, get engaged. This is how we make change. I think Donald Trump won in many states like Wisconsin. Where he, won. he got less votes than Mitt Romney did. As King said, it's not the vitriolic words and violent actions of bad people, it's the appalling silence and inaction of good people. I'm running because we need to continue this. Not just to get rid of Donald Trump, that's the floor, it's not the ceiling, it gets us out of a valley. I want to rise to the mountaintop. And so my message constantly is, if you elect me president, I'm warning you, I'm going to ask for more from you than any president's asked for you in your lifetime. Because I'm not running to be savior, I'm not going to solve all the problems, we are. We have some exciting news to share for Iowa and our first in the nation status. Iowa will be host to the CNN Democratic presidential debate on January 14th, less than one month from the Iowa caucus. That'll be held on Drake University's campus. Now, the DNC has not outlined yet the criteria to qualify for the debate. That, of course, will come later. But we'll keep you posted, and we will have extensive coverage here on This Week in Iowa.
Thank you for listening to the This Week in Iowa podcast. You can find the This Week in Iowa podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, so be sure to subscribe now. You can also watch This Week in Iowa every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Local 5. For the latest in Iowa political news, follow This Week in Iowa on Twitter or visit weareiowa.com.